Hello and welcome to The Rabbit Hole, the definitive developers podcast in fantabulous Chelsea, Manhattan. I'm your host, Michael Nunez. Our co-host today, Dave Anderson, and our producer, William Jeffries. And today we'll be talking about engineering guilds, how to create one, and what are some of the challenges once you have created one. Oh yeah. What what is a guild? I mean, I I guess this is the 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 topic. I am actually really interested cuz I have never had the opportunity to create a guild and would love to discuss. Anyone want to start on what is a guild besides that of a World of Warcraft group of people where you go into a dungeon with 40 individuals and <laughs> slay a dragon? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just <laughs> running instances. Ooh, oh, man. Nostalgia. Um, let me go. Be right back. Going to go open an account again. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Don't do it. <laughs> Bye, guys. Sorry. Got to no, go. We like you too much. Please. <laughs> we got with us. Yeah. I think a guild is a collection of artisans who work together. I think that, you know, the, the term originated... A very long time ago, I associated mostly with the Middle Ages, but it has been adapted for the tech industry in order to describe uh, groups of engineers that have been subdivided in ways that are useful. Yeah. I like the the phrase community of practice. It sounds like more neutral and business-like. Guild sounds very like medieval and fantasy like we were talking. Yeah. But community of practice kind of describes that, that same thing pretty well because it's a group of people in a community that have a common set of interests and practices that they're they're sharing. Yeah, I also associate gr- guilds with bad behavior, like setting prices. Oh, monopolies. <laughs> acting as a cartel, yeah. Wait, what? how? Like, you know, back in the day when if you were on the guild's bad side, they would come and ruin your business. Oh, right, okay. like the stonemasons. They had all the secrets about the angles and stuff. I see. How to cut the stones. Yeah. They wouldn't tell you. All to themselves. Is that is that is that normal for an engineering guild to keep all the secrets? Is that is that how it works? I think that's probably not a best practice. <laughs> <laughs> so step one, if you're going to create a guild, do not keep secrets. That's right. not good. Yeah, I think a, an open forum is is a pretty good way to do it. Like where it's it's people with shared interests. So anyone who has that interest should be able to participate in the guild. Yeah, it's a great way of breaking down silos between teams. Okay. So let's say you have an engineer who needs to know a lot about Postgres, and there happen to be engineers that have that expertise on other teams, but because they're busy with their team's work, they don't really have much time for for Bobby here, who needs some help with his Postgres instance. So if you have a guild for Postgres, you know, or like a database guild, then there's a regular meeting. There's a an open forum where Bobby can go in and get help with uh, his database issues from some of the more experienced DBAs. Right, and it's, this is includes people who may not be in his engineering team per se. Right, because often it's impractical to get a senior DBA on every single team or a senior React developer on every single team, whatever you know, whatever the technology is that you want to build a guild around, it could be hard to get people with serious expertise on every team that needs it. And so, like, let's say Bobby's working on React and he's relatively new to it and he wants a code review, but nobody on his team has the expertise to give him a good one. Mm. He could go and post Mm -hmm. his PR in the guild channel for React and get some tips. Yeah, that's true. You you want to share that context too. Like you don't want everyone to be like reinventing the wheel in silo. 
you want to like have a forum for communication for everyone to get together and you know if you solve a really good problem with your database or with react like you make a really awesome component that solves so many cool things then you gotta let the world know and like what are play what better place to share it than with the guild yeah i think it also helps if you later on are going to do rotations because if everybody is using similar patterns since they're communicating via the guilds then a ruby person in one team is going to be able to quickly get up to speed if they move to a new team with another code base since a lot of the patterns will be the same. So are guilds normally made around a particular language or like framework? Is that the idea? I think it depends on the size of your organization. Yeah. So Spotify wrote a lot of white papers on this. And in those white papers, they describe their way of doing guilds. And obviously, Spotify has grown very quickly, and it's a very large organization. So they have the ability to have very granular guilds that cross-cut across a lot of different teams. And I think we were looking at this picture before. Like, it's, There's a very pretty picture. Maybe we can link it in the show notes of like how Spotify does guilds. And there's a lot more going on to their organizational structure than just the guilds. Yeah, I haven't worked on a guild in an organization that large, large enough where that's necessary. I think that if you have a if you're a smaller startup then uh, you're probably going to want pretty big generic topics for your guild, a front end guild and a back end guild or like you know maybe 3 4 5 guilds for the key technologies you use. Right, and with those guilds in mind, this is a group of individuals who wish to seek out information depending on the guild that they're in, right? So like, as you mentioned before, William, where an individual who may not be well-versed in React, who wants some tips in their pull request can share that pull request in the React guild that will then get feedback about the work that they have committed. Yeah, I think you're also going to want some guild masters, Oh, this is sounding way too much like wild now. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think you, you need somebody who is in charge of making sure that guild meetings happen and that people are finding it useful and, and shutting it down if no one is coming. Oh, I see. So, like, they, they get to actually deprecate the guild whenever it's no longer in use. Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on your company culture. If you're a really flat organization and people have an easy time of maintaining initiatives as they start themselves and maybe you don't maybe you don't need a guild master but it is a common pattern i think i think that's at spotify as well like they have someone who's responsible for the logistics of it like making sure there's a room booked for the meeting and facilitating discussions can guild interactions happen only on slack no like slack is pretty great for guilds because like there's like kind of a natural ability to create a common space for people to to communicate to each other like on a very regular basis but it like we were talking about before it's nice to have like a regular reoccurring meeting where you can talk about the larger issues that maybe people on the day-to-day like they can't get engaged in the slack conversation because they are getting their job done and doing work Uh, so it's nice to have like some time carved out for like a larger discussion or like kind of a recap on discussions that were had over the course of time now like one 
one potential challenge here is that if your organization is growing and you see the need for more guilds and subdividing it further and further and further, like where you, you once had like a front end guild and now you have a React guild and, you know, a Redux guild and whatever else, like it's going to be really hard to be present and a part of all of those conversations. Mm. So it could be something that's like really hard to scale. William mentioned earlier that guild masters may be necessary to grow like certain guilds. How does that happen? Do you guys have any experience on getting that started? Like what kind of guilds in the places you guys have worked in and, and grown those guilds? What are your thoughts on that? Does it happen organically? A guild master just says, you know what? I want to be responsible for the React framework and how we do things in React. So I'm going to band the group of people together and join the, and create this guild. Yeah, I think um, it partially comes from expertise. Like in order to be the guild master for a particular topic, you probably need to have more expertise, at least than most people in the organization on that particular topic. And then I think also it's a sort of a professional development opportunity. Like if you are looking for more leadership opportunities in order to move up, in order to get experience with that kind of thing, you should go for it. This is a great opportunity. You might also find that the most experienced person in the organization with that particular technology has too much to do they're already overcommitted and they don't want to take on running a guild. And so maybe somebody who is a little bit less senior, but a little bit more excited to take on the project would be a better fit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's a combination of like expertise and interest. Yeah. I mean, they need to be passionate about it because that's how you get other people excited about participating. And if, if you don't get people excited about participating, then that guild is not going to go anywhere. Yeah, it it does kind of have to be self-organizing to a degree. Like it kind of lives and dies based upon like the the interest and passion that people have. I think it would be hard to have like a mandatory guild meeting. I guess you could do it, but maybe that's an anti-pattern. It sounds like one, yeah. Because you don't want to force anyone to do anything that they joined out of interest, right? Like, like hey, you must show, you must join this meeting or you're not a part of it like that right. that kind of close people off from doing it yeah like we're gonna force you to go to the static typing group we're gonna <laughs> make you go to the, the flow static typing group mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's the law of two feet right yeah <laughs> you use right. your two feet to walk out whenever you want yeah that's that's how you vote you vote on what guilds matter by what you show up to yep and organically if not a lot of people show up to these guild meetings then they get they dissolve and then new ones emerge from the interest of individuals. So I work at a product company and I want to start a React guild. So I tell everyone, hey, join this Slack channel where we get to talk about React patterns and how we can make our code base better. We have about 12 people in the guild, I guess, I imagine. What are some of the challenges of having multiple guilds in an organization? Like what like once we have like we now know how what it means, what to do how individuals can start creating guilds in their organization. But what are the challenges? I mean, I guess like one challenge might be like discovery, like servicing all of the different options that are available for guilds and where the meaningful conversations are happening, especially with Slack. It's like really easy for channels to just get lost in the shuffle. Right. So it's good to like maybe add a prefix to it. If the intention is that it's going to be a guild, channel where you're going to have important discussions about things like that then maybe throw a prefix on there i guess i'd also be wondering like is it is it just a slack channel because like you could just have a slack channel for react right Uh, it doesn't need to be a guild 
if you want to have like a larger organization, like, I don't know, like having like a lunch meeting where you, you like, you know, get some pizza and talk about React and right. whatever else, like maybe that's something a little bit more. So what are some of the challenges around having multiple guilds within your organization? I mean, the one thing that I hear from the both of you is that like there could be multiple guilds that are all interesting that I may want to join. And me as an individual may not be able to contribute a lot of like useful information or thoughts on these particular guilds, which will cause me to like not be able to contribute to any of them. Because I, I want to be in all of them. I can't contribute to any of them because of the workload of being in the guild and personal work uh, that I would have to finish, for example. Yeah. I, I just feel like, I just yeah, just like the idea of talking about like, oh, there's a React one and a front-end one and like a static typing one and a Java one. And I feel like I would join all of them just because I want to be a part of the organization moving forward in these languages. But I feel like the fact that I'm participating in all of them may be really difficult for me to contribute to any of them. Because if it's more than just a Slack channel where we have to meet up and do meetings and talk discussions about certain frameworks that we need to use, might take up a lot of time overall. Right. You'd probably want to like be able to contribute to mm-hmm. like thoughts and opinions, like strong opinions to the, the community. And you may not be able to have strong opinions for all those things. Yeah, I think you just need to limit the number of guilds that you join. Like, I think a lot of this comes down to the size of the organization that you work at. If you are on a five-person team, you don't need guilds. Right. <laughs> it's just you're in the one guild that there is. Yeah. You, you just go get lunch. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that, that's that's a good point too. Like when I've when I've heard about like some pitfalls that people have had or organizations have had, like trying to do guilds, it's because you know they they saw something about guilds at this really large company. And they're like, oh, well, let's definitely do that. Let's let's have a guild and a chapter and a tribe and a squad and like all these other things like kind of directly from Spotify or another organization like that. But, you know, you're not Spotify. You're you're five people or maybe you're like 10 people or 20 people. But like whatever you're whatever's going to work for your organization is going to be different than, right. than that. Like and you should kind of start small and iterate and find where that lands you. Yeah. And if you are at a company that is big enough to house many, many different guilds, then you're probably used to the notion that you are going to have to specialize more because that's what happens at bigger companies. Mm -hmm. Mm, That's true. Yeah. So, you know, you pick just the Redux or or whatever is the guild that you end up choosing (laughs) and then you just participate very judiciously in that one. Yeah. So pick one. See if you can carry the workload of that one guild and contribute as much as possible to that one. And if your workload allows you to join another one, then you can join the next one on your list where you can then continue to do that and push the company forward in whatever guild you choose to join. Sure. Yeah, that makes sense. What is this tribes thing that you speak of? So Spotify has, I think we discussed the idea of the Spotify pattern that has squads, chapters, guilds, and tribes. And tribes are just huge groups of individuals. If you, and as you mentioned before, if your team is a team of five, a team of 20, don't even think about building tribes. A tribe is pretty much like an entire group of individuals, massive, massive teams that work for like a huge general section. So like if you have like 
your front end front end engineers or like your front end folks that includes like all your product managers your product owners that dealt with customer facing applications to your back end to your QA to your infrastructure devops all that and then you have like these huge chunks of individuals back end and you have like admin the the admin pages like that kind of stuff so a tribe is like a huge group of people that kind of and then it's very general to so, so it'd be like you know you guys run this this product that's a whole tribe yeah we offer this separate product with an entirely different stack yeah. that's a separate tribe and right. your squad might be managing a service within that particular product right so like and from going from smallest to largest a squad is a group of people who are working on a particular feature it could be like your two engineers your qa person product manager who reports to a product owner just say for example cross-functional a chapter is a group of the same individuals so all the qa engineers all the front-end developers all the back-end developers full-stack developers are in their own chapter where you might have like one person on that chapter who's like managing them and being responsible for their professional development. Guilt are the things we discussed just now, which is a group of individuals who have a particular interest in something. So as a front-end engineer, you may also be interested in moving good patterns of GraphQL into your organization. So whoever it is that's interested in GraphQL will join the guild. And if they have any interesting topics or questions about GraphQL, they can bring that up to the guild. And a tribe yeah. is like a huge general group of individuals that move entire parts of the organization in that particular direction. Cool. Yeah. I think that you, you painted a pretty good picture with words. <laughs> I, I really tried. We're going to see if we can put those notes, the website where I got all this on the show notes, because I think it's really interesting for individuals who work in teams to better organize to to move their organization forward when it comes to things that they're interested in because i think that's really cool to be able to join like a particular guild where the point of that is to move forward in the very thing that you're interested in yeah i think there's a lot of times when in organizations you'll have a lot of disparate groups that are interested in adapting a new technology like elixir or rust and because they're fragmented, it's difficult to pick up momentum. So this can be a solution to that problem. Yeah. And I also like the general idea from that like picture or painting of like the, the Spotify organization where like you're trying to like make smaller rooms for people to like interact in. Like you you don't want to have like this ginormous thing. And obviously that exists as as like a tribe or like your your whole company even but like the smaller you make the group of people the easier it is to have like easy communication among that group and And, keep everyone on the same page and your company may be doing this already you know um it may just not have a name yet so adding this vocabulary might make it easier to reason about yeah or you could come up with your own cool name if you got any cool, interesting guild Italians. names, yeah, if you <laughs> Battalions, <laughs> Battalion sure, yeah. guild, yeah. <laughs> if you got any cool, interesting guild names, feel free to hit us up at Radio Free Rabbit. I'd be interested in knowing what are some of the guild names that are out in the wild because I think yeah. that's pretty cool. Maybe you can yeah. introduce that into it's like our the different animal names, different groups of animals, <laughs> like a murder of crows. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty dope. Not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, that was a. Uh, pretty insightful conversations on guilds and very interested to see how other organizations 
collaborate and use this method to push their organization forward to using best practices in whatever guild they join. So does anybody have any teach and learns? Yeah, I have one. For the past couple weeks now, I've been actually trying to tackle one or my other New Year's resolution, which is to learn. Uh, yeah, which is. <laughs> yeah, man, it's happening. Working on Docker. I've been coding, not coding, but I've been using Docker. And this is going to be very elaborate. I'll be as fast as possible. So I have a Windows desktop in my house. You can boo me now. So I want to be able to program in the Windows machine, but programming Windows is horrible. It's so hard. It's really difficult. And I read a blog post recently where an individual uses Docker to create an Ubuntu image and then shares the folder directory from Windows to this Ubuntu image, then has Git installed in the Ubuntu image. You open a PowerShell, and then you can actually do all your Git commands in the Docker container So it's like you have a Linux machine that loads all your code and you'll be able to file share to your Windows so then you can open up VS Code and continue programming. So it's not that difficult. I find it to be very useful for me to do any one-offs that I need to do for my other projects and not have to get a Mac to do that. Trying to reuse my Windows machine. That's all I'm trying to do. Sweet. Nice. Windows. Not, yeah, just not, 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 just, not just for gaming. Not just for World of Warcraft, yeah, guys. It's not just for Steam. <laughs> not just exactly. for your other guilds. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's that's what I'm really trying to do. And just trying to get well-versed in Docker is something that I wanted to work on. And I'm that's, that's the approach that I'm trying to take. Awesome. Let's keep the conversation going on Twitter. Follow us now at Radio Free Rabbit. Like what you hear? Give us a five-star review. It helps developers just like you find their way into the rabbit hole. And never miss an episode. Subscribe now however you listen to your favorite podcast. On behalf of our producer extraordinaire, William Jeffries, and my amazing co-host, Dave Anderson, and me, your host, Michael Nunez, thanks for listening to The Rabbit Hole.